Hello, everybody, and welcome to My EdTech Life. I am your host, Alfonso Mendoza, otherwise known as Fonz. And of course, you can find us at My EdTech Life on Twitter. I am so happy to be here with you guys this morning. I know we haven't done a show in about two weeks, but it was great to be guests on some wonderful shows. Uh, so over these last two weeks, so it's been exciting. It's been a nice little break. But hey, we're back and we're excited because we've got some wonderful shows lined up here for this month. And today is definitely no different than any of the other shows that we've done. We've got a great show with an amazing guest and author. So we're really excited to share uh, Matt Rhodes. Matt Rhodes is here. He is from San Diego. And like I did mention, he is an author and he uh, has currently authored a book called Navigating the Toggled Term which is something that we'll be talking about, you know, as far as uh, distance learning, uh, blended learning, and any other things that deal with education. As you know, we are all here, a PLF, professional learning family to learn from one another. So Matt, thank you so much for being here and taking the time out of your day and your schedule to join us here today on My EdTech Live. So Matt, let us know a little bit more about yourself. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. It's just always a great opportunity to talk to, you know, educators across the country and world to just, you know, expand our dialogue and really uh, learn from each other. My background, um, so I, I've taught secondary and I teach at the university level. Um, my background's in special ed. I've taught almost every single subject at high school besides science at this point. Um, I currently do teach this year, Algebra 1 at the high school level. Um, my background in terms of my research is in professional development and then data-driven decision-making, uh, data literacy. Um, that was my background in terms of my master's and my doctorate. And then currently now, um, my really big focus is uh, integrating educational technology uh, with instructional strategies, using data to drive decision-making, and really just trying to Create workable frameworks um, that fit our current, you know, challenges right now amid the COVID nineteen pandemic. Excellent. So again, it, that's really what we're definitely all interested in, especially here. Like you said, just having a great, genuine conversation and seeing things from a different lens, different perspectives, different viewpoints. So I'm thankful that you're here. And I already did pop in the link so uh, to your website, and I'll pop in the link to your book a little later on in the show, but. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, just maybe start the conversation here now as far as some distance learning, you know, as as you know, you know, March for at least I'll tell you from my personal experience from March 16th on, you know, it has been remote learning, uh, distance learning. And, you know, we've had quite an adventure in being able to prep our teachers from March 16th. I haven't really uh, had a lot, whole lot of rest as we're going on and moving forward and training teachers and equipping them for distance learning. And of course, it, it's just been going well so far, but uh, it is coming to a point where we're slowly going to start coming back. Schools are opening and things of that sort. So things are going to be, you know, a little bit different there. And it's going to be kind of a new method, new uh, way of doing things. So what, what advice or what have you seen through your experience and maybe things that you have shared before you know, what have been some of the major obstacles uh, that you've seen through distance learning? 
Um, I think the most major obstacles for distance learning is the equity issues that we're facing, especially initially was with the hardware and then uh, internet connectivity. Those have gotten a little bit better, but we still see students struggling to connect at times, especially if they're on a hotspot versus a hard connection. Um, hardware, uh, really nationwide now, I think almost about 92% of all districts have handed out devices to students. So that's a huge gain versus uh, where we were in March. Uh, so we've really expanded that capability. And then uh, the connectivity issues still remain a bit, but hopefully that continues to improve as time goes on. And, and really in terms of instruction though, instruction really has been turned upside down a little bit in terms of, you know, what is good online instruction versus what is good on, you know, good in-person instruction. And really uh, what I've learned is that the structure of how lessons may go online do differ, but good pedagogy is good pedagogy. And if you really do incorporate those research-based strategies correctly with these ed tech tools, there's so many that we have available to us that we can really drive instruction quite well with these tools, as long as we just know like how they how we can apply them as well as you know what type of strategies work really, really well with these tools and how can we uh, you know incorporate these within synchronous live sessions versus uh, you know asynchronous at your own pace. So I think just really understanding those components. And um, so that's really kind of where I feel um, we've evolved and where we're currently at. And I think right now in terms of uh, where teachers are in terms of their instruction, we've gotten a lot better at using the tools in terms of like their applications. But really now it's really focusing on integrating the strategies. That's where I feel like we still need to really improve in. And I think that it will continue to get better, but we're going to be flipped upside down. I think in the next few months as more and more schools go back to blended learning. Almost 70% of the country now is uh, blended learning now, um, just depending on where you're at. So we're going to see this trend definitely continue, but it's going to be uh, interesting to see where we go. Yeah, and, and I agree with you on that. Um, everything that you've said pretty much is something that I have been able to see um, in the front lines and you know, being able to share the tools that we have, leverage what we have. We did try and keep it as simple as possible. As you know, there's so many platforms that are out there. And I know a lot of companies were out there offering their products for free or for an extended period of time. And that could also be very overwhelming to teachers and especially having to build up some digital literacy skills that uh, teachers at times may have thought, well, I'm not going to need this. I don't need this. You know, I don't need this training because we're used to being in our four walls and in our classroom. And, you know, we have control there going to our texts or copies, handouts, things of that sort. But then, like you said, you know, things kind of just got flipped upside down. And now you're having to take that and, you know, teach it digitally. So I think one of the best things that we did was just keep it simple. Uh, I think it's three major platforms only and just really train the teachers up on those platforms where they feel comfortable bringing the instruction. And, you know, after a while, you start seeing those strategies come in and, and you know, being uh, focusing more on that teaching component and really hitting uh, those curriculum components that we need to hit. But it hasn't been easy. I mean, it's it's something that's 
new, a lot of firsts for all. And even from March 16th to this day, you know, it, it, it it's always evolving. New things are coming up. And I know that teachers are definitely still overwhelmed. And it's, uh, you know, for all you teachers that are out there, thank you for everything that you do. And, you know, we notice, we hear you, and we listen, and we're trying to do our best, you know, as far as instructional text to just bring you the best that we can to put you at ease, guys. But Yes. And, and like you said, very interesting, you know, 70% of the country, we're going to come back soon. And that's going to be a whole different model. So let's talk a little bit about that. So we're talking about distance. We're talking now about blended. Now, for a lot of teachers that may be out there, I know that it, it's been just vocabulary word after vocabulary word, synchronous, asynchronous, distance, remote, hybrid, high flex, all of these and blended. Let's just talk about and keep it simple. We'll talk about blended. Can you give us just a little brief description of blended learning? You know, now that as schools are going to be opening up uh, as far as this method of teaching. Yeah, I mean, blended learning really. There's so many different types of blended learning. So, I mean, the easiest definition is encompassing it. There is a live component where you're synchronous with the teacher in person. Then you're, you know, at home asynchronous online going through, you know, whether it's independent practice, adaptive ed tech, or uh, it's a flipped classroom model, you're front loading the content at home, and then you're coming in person and you're focusing on collaborative work and social emotional as well as in-person discussion. So, I mean, there's so many different models in blended learning, but essentially just has the live component and then that your um, own pace mode at home, which is the asynchronous uh, piece. Um, I mean, there's different types of inceptions. We see districts going back one day a week. If the schools are large, if it's a high school, um, then sometimes we see A and B in the morning and then in the afternoon for elementary. I've seen that for middle, middle school as well uh, with about 35 minute periods in the morning and then in the afternoon. Um, so there's different inceptions of what blended learning looks like. Um, we've also seen, uh, the incorporation of the high flex, which is basically providing the students in person and students online, online with uh, instruction simultaneously, or they call that simultaneous teaching that is incorporated within blended learning. So it can get quite uh, complex and all these have their challenges instructionally. And I mean, what I argue in navigating the toggle term, if uh, we are moving from online to blended or if we have to move back from blended to online is really when we're in a socially distanced classroom we're not going to really change a whole lot of in terms of the tool ed tech tools that we're using we're not going to change our learning management system we're probably not going to be handing out paper all the time either so really we're going to be creating the same infrastructure which we're going to be transferring to any sort of educational setting whether that's you know moving to blended and we do that for six nine months or even longer and then we move back into more of a traditional setting when the number of case count goes lower um or if we go reverse so that's my main argument is that really if we have this in, uh infrastructure online with all these tools in our learning management system then we can just basically move back and forth and a lot of the same instructional strategies that we can utilize uh, in person in the socially distanced classroom and online can be um, used and they're somewhat in the parallel. So I think that's kind of where we're at with 
blended learning. And I mean, there's so many different challenges. We could talk a lot about uh, districts talk uh, incorporating the high flex, uh, whether that is just for a strategic amount of time when uh, you know a teacher gets quarantined or the class gets quarantined, or they have it going all day long in a blended model. So there's a lot of different avenues we can take. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, and reading and uh, seeing a lot of things that people are posting and sharing and different models. You said there are a lot of models that do have, I mean, they all have advantages. Some of them have those disadvantages. And it's like, you know, you see some positive, you see the upside, you see some of the downside. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned, though, is just to, the ability to be able to switch back and forth. And I think that's something, you know, when we first got into this situation, you know, in March, where they started closing schools, I know a lot of our schools were just being very reactive to the situation. And as we kind of started getting a grasp on things and kind of finding our, our, you know, stabilizing ourselves a bit, then we were being a little bit more proactive. But even then, you know, from any of the research that I have read, I mean, it takes years to actually do online teaching, you know, in, in a way that is going to be effective. And my very, very first guest is actually a professor from the local university here who is talking about this. And, you know, he's been doing online teaching for over 20 years. And he says, you know, to ask a teacher to just flip a switch and go from classroom to teaching on a computer is definitely something that is going to be, you know, very different, of course, uh, could find some difficulties in that. And of course, we, we're seeing all of that at the moment. But at least now, I think what I'm seeing is as teachers are feeling a little bit more comfortable, and they're starting to see, you know, that this is something that they can do now. I don't, as far as far as how effective it is, you know, definitely we need to check data on that. You know, as far as the student learning, you know, as uh, you know, for curriculum wise, some kind of tests and things of that sort. But you know, the ability to at least they have that equipment per se or that that knowledge, know how we really need to start refining that. And being very proactive because, like you said, at any time, let's say we go back, and you know, as a, as a former teacher myself, I feel very comfortable, you know, going back, and then I just go back to my daily routine. Maybe I was very low tech, and I'm not going to use any more tech. And then all of a sudden, you know, we flip the switch, and we have to go back to this, revert back to this model. What are what are your thoughts on that? What can we do, or what do you see? Have you seen any district leaders or any districts? that are working on actually just uh, not just treading water, but actually trying to refine the teacher's skills? I, I mean, I think that it depends on where you go, but I, I can give you an example in San Diego. There's a district called Cone Valley, and they're kind of a more progressive district in terms of their technology use. They were one-to-one, um, I think about eight years ago, eight, nine years ago. So. They're one of the first districts, low-income uh, districts, to provide devices for each student and provide a lot of technology training to teachers and integrating the strategy. So districts like that, for example, are more prepared for moving between each of these settings um, versus ones that um, have not invested in this in the past. So I, I think that I think the trend that we're going to see uh, and that you've already alluded to is that if districts have already invested in technology and in, in integrating it into classrooms, those are districts are going to be far more prepared 
uh, versus the districts that um, have not invested in technology in the last five years, and there have a lot of catch up um, versus other districts. Yeah, and so yeah, that perfectly makes sense. I mean, like you said, there are some districts that are out there. Um, so I guess it's just a matter of just a you know now that pretty much everybody's going one to one now, that should at least make us feel a little bit better. And and but we really need to work on on working on those uh, pedagogical skills, you know, the, the digital, um, you know, aspect of it, because I mean, you have teachers that are phenomenal teachers in the classroom, but then, you know, now with distance, it, they may feel like, oh man, you know, I'm tied, I, I, my hands are tied, I can't do what I normally do. And then of course, you've got those that are just pretty much like fish in water and they're like, hey, you know, I got the hang of this, I'm, you know, doing this and so on. So I think at least, to, you know, from my, perspective, maybe finding those teachers that are doing a phenomenal job and doing very comfortable to be those teacher or trainer of trainers and helping other teachers, you know, refine those skills. But, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to that and seeing uh, what will happen there, because even in, in everything, I, I try and find an opportunity. And right now, the opportunity is for those digital literacy skills to go up and even for our students. And that's one thing, too, that to consider you know, parent frustration, parents have been learning right along with their students. And believe it or not, I mean, the kind of the silver lining in that is I know the parents are frustrated. And especially here in this area, where a lot of them are Spanish speaking parents, and they may not understand what is going on or how to help their child navigate, you know, they're, they're learning those skills. and, And it's frustrating for them, maybe because of the language, but you know, one of the things that I've been working to with also is bringing those trainings to parents in Spanish and uh-huh. just to help them alleviate some of that stress or at least to get familiar with the screens and things of that sort. So they're able to see what their child is doing and kind of have some sense of, all right, they're okay. I see that icon. Okay. That's got to be that Google classroom that they always talk about, or that's the way they do this. So I think that's something that's very important too uh, in districts is having the parents involved. I mean, parents are, are, I feel sometimes are often left out, but they're part of the learning community. They are the parents. They are hopefully that, that first line of defense, well, maybe second line of defense at home, you know, because some of them may not have those digital uh, literacy skills, but I think that's something that is very important to, uh, to tackle, you know, bring in. And, and sometimes some areas it's difficult because of, the wide variety of languages that are out there. And here, you know, at least in our demographic area, it's mainly Spanish, but we do see, you know, Korean, we do see Japanese and things of that sort. So uh, it's been very interesting, but we definitely need to reach out to the parent community as well, because we, we need to work together. We need to make the parents feel comfortable as well, knowing that we're looking out for them as well. I 100% agree. And I I think that when we, um, I provide a chapter in navigating the toggle term about student and parent engagement. Mm-hmm. And I'm, in the second edition, I'm going to really focus on more, more so than just communication methods, but really um, advocating for districts to provide weekly webinars and trainings for parents that, you know, if that's available or even just recorded and provide on a, a platform like, uh, like Wakelet or just, you know, on YouTube, then, you know, that, they'll have the ability to see like, what type of tools are we using at this campus? Mm-hmm. You know, how are they integrating the tools? What supports do they have for students? 
And I think just having that repository online and having that component like a town hall style or webinar format uh, weekly, um, I think that school leaders need to be doing that all the time, uh, especially even in a blended setting, because you're still using the tech. You're not gonna throw away the tech in a blended setting. So I really think that the, the webinar piece and just constant um, parent and student and teacher training, I think the collaboration on all levels is key for this to be successful. If one component does not work, then the system is not going to be as sustainable as, um, you know, over the long term because people are going to get frustrated as parents are frustrated, teachers are frustrated, students can be frustrated. So it's a constant, yeah. um, you know, professional development for and training for all these groups of people. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a community effort versus if we, we can't just target one area and say like, okay, we fix the problem or we're, we're getting better at this. We have to focus on the entire educational community in our, in our backyard. Oh yeah. And I, and I couldn't agree with everything that you said there uh, more because I, it is a team effort and, you know, that's something that we've done as far as providing those Spanish trainings and, you know, we have them up on a YouTube channel and, uh, I should we share the links with the parents and you know when I do the sessions I tell the parents if if you have friends that weren't able to make it today please share this with them and you know making sure that the parents watch those videos and I think that you you know you're right uh, and, and again for me myself it's just because growing up and seeing the obstacles that my parents face with my education for them not being English speakers you know I, I remember you know going back to my elementary days uh, when I first started learning English in second grade, I, my task was you need to read to your parent for 20 minutes. And I mean, I would sit my parents in front of me, I'd be reading to them and I just saw them just kind of just smile and nod, but they weren't able to help. They didn't, they didn't understand what I was saying and I could see it on their face, you know, and now I imagine more so now with so much technology with phones, with tablets, with the Chromebooks, with desktops and you know, I have to log in and manage my multiple accounts. It It is something that we need to target, you know, our parents. It's something that's very important. And unfortunately, there will be some parents that, you know, really don't want to partake in any of that. But it doesn't matter. We need to at least get it out there to as many that will receive it and hopefully see some fruit from that. And I think that that'll be something that's very beneficial, like you said, you know, starting and and you know, working with every aspect, parent, student, teacher, and administrator. So we're all in one accord. And I think that's something that's wonderful. And it's a great idea. So yeah. I want to I talk to you a little bit about here. I, like you mentioned, you you have a book here. And I was reading here, uh, the, the parts of the book are wonderful. And uh, if you have it, I did pop in the link to Matt's book, guys. I will pop it in again here into the chat. Um, you can find this book here on Amazon. And so let me ask you, uh, Matt, as far as the title is concerned, it says navigating the toggled term. Can you tell tell me a little bit more, or tell our audience members, you know what what you're trying to convey there through that title? So the toggled term originally came from a uh, education futurist, uh, Brian Alexander, who uh, is mostly higher ed. But I saw a blog post back all the way back in March, and he uh, basically. Uh, said that, well, you know, with COVID, you know, getting worse. And, you know, in March, we didn't have any idea of how long this was going to be. He talked about university campuses and how they've shut down. And he says, like, you know, in, a, in the next, you know, two to three years, we're probably going to be going back between online 
and some sort of blended learning model. And I was like, okay, well, if it's going to happen in universities, it's going to happen in K-12. And there's far more students that are going to be affected in K-12. So I um, developed a number of frameworks within the book that helps teachers, school leaders at the instructional level and organizational level move between these two settings. And um, just and then navigating a lot of the challenges that we have with ed tech, as well as engaging students and parents, uh, differentiating instruction, um, special education, online IEP meetings. I mean, this this book is pretty comprehensive in terms of uh, you know what type of challenges we're going to face, whether we're online or we're um, you know in a blended in-person setting. And um, I just think that just navigating these challenges is is hard, and we and I needed to come up with some solutions or some frameworks to help uh, you know teachers and school leaders and even parents to you know navigate you know these challenges. And I really think that it, the the book builds in each section. The first section is solidifying your online instructional infrastructure, which is basically building your online set of tools, your learning management system going through the selection process. And I love how you guys in your own district have a less is more approach. I think that is totally key. Have three to five tools max, get really good at them, learn how to incorporate instructional strategies, and then you have that set and ready to go. And you can start uh, with online learning and then eventually moving back to blended. And, you know, you know God forbid something happens, and going back to online, it just automatically switch. And it's not like reinventing the wheel. And we don't want to be in a situation where we're reinventing the wheel. We want to have learning to be continuous. And we don't want it to stop like it did in March for a few weeks for a number of places. And we want learning to continue. So that's basically the premise of really the entire book is we want learning to be continuous, sustainable. And I think that, you know, even we're all the way in October now, 2020. I don't see us going anywhere. Uh, I don't think see this changing until at least 2022. So I think we're in this for another two years. And um, I think that this is something that we're going to have to learn to live with for a while. So um, it's important that we get on this uh, on this bandwagon because, I mean, it's going to be the only way that we're going to be sustainable throughout this process. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, now going back to your book, this is one of the things that I, when we were talking prior, you know, backstage prior to the show, we're talking about you had a, you know, special education background um, that you mentioned. And I do notice here in your book, at least in the description, you know, is how to take increasingly, it says educators are given a foundation, content skills and educational technology instruction, special education. Now, I know that there are several, you know, schools, I mean, all our schools, you know, we do have, you know, those needs, you know, in our districts. What are some of the things that you have seen or what can we do to improve to reach out to the specific community of our students that really need those supports? You know, I, it, it seems like maybe with, uh, as we move forward, a lot of gaps are widening, you know, because of this and, you know, we, we're all about closing those gaps, but we really want to make sure that we reach out to all our students. So what can you tell us a little bit, at least through your experience or what you've seen, what can we do better to reach out to our special education community? I think for special education, it's just first as an instructor, just 
explaining to your students where the supports are in the tools. There's so many good uh, supports within the tools, like speech to text. I mean, that's an amazing tool and it can be life-changing for certain students if they know just where to access it. Um, embedded immersive, uh, immersive readers, so just automatically can have text read to them. I mean, if you talk just these, these basic things that if teachers can teach students how to access on a daily basis and then remember where to access it, they can get those, um, you know, those features which do help them engage within the curriculum. Also, I think keeping things simple, uh, you know, keep your routines online as well as blended similar throughout the, the week like you would in any sort of traditional sense. I mean, you want to make sure that the students are accessing the tools in a similar order, uh, similar routine. Um, that really does help creating that structure. Um, also, uh, providing screencasts along after your synchronous instruction to uh, show them how to access things. Um, I think um, adaptive learning is important as well for asynchronous. So if you have a tool like um, iReady, Moby Max, Read Theory, all those are great for, um, you know, to spend, you know, 20 to 30 minutes on. Uh, it personalizes it for them and it helps with differentiation. So I, I really, I really am an advocate for that. And then I'm also um, an advocate for, I think, grades four through 12. It's a service called Paper Learning. It's an online tutor. And I basically um, give my students problems to work with the online tutor where they have it on demand 24 seven. They can have a conversation with them, a text conversation. They can use a whiteboard. And I know I can't reach all my students at once. I'm only one person. So I like to um, have them work with the online tutor and they can be doing that in Spanish or in English. So I really think that has been game changing along with just really using the adaptive ed tech to personalize things. So there's a lot of different options that we can do, uh, but it all comes down to though, the research says is that if you, uh, I tell my parents uh, this all the time, spend, you know, depending on the student's needs and age, um, you know, spend a time checking in with them, spend 10 to 10 to 15 minutes a day looking at your Google Classroom to-do list, looking at, you know, what's been, what's on the calendar, what's going on, and, you know, creating a to-do list, checking things off the list. And um, also, for example, if the parents are home, send, just send them a text, send them a text every couple hours, be like, hey, what's going on? And then just also um, giving those parents access to the learning management system, invite them in and have them know what the student's doing. So I think the creating the a culture of accountability is really truly important as well. Oh, that's great. And those those are all great, uh, you know, uh, things that you shared, resources that you shared. So that's really exciting because sometimes, like I said, I, I you know, we want to make sure that we leave no one behind want to make sure that all their students are engaged. And I know that that could be difficult during these times, but I think with what you shared is something that at least is encouraging. And like you said, one thing that I liked is just having that routine, you know, checking in, do check-ins. And I think a, a lot of times teachers may not do a lot like the check-ins. They just go straight into, okay, this is what we need to do because this is what we need to do and complete and so on. And I think sometimes it's very important or we forget that, you know, we, we are guests in these children's homes now and we need to build that rapport and we need to make sure that we're checking in on them continually, see how they're doing, take a little bit of time out of the lesson just to 
just talk and chat and ask them how they're doing and uh, building up that community and empathy for them because I think that's something that is very important. And even with the parents, just shooting them a text, you know, through remind and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you guys okay? Just want to let you know. Maybe send a quick note. Hey, you know, Johnny's doing great. Just wanted to let you know. Thank you for what you're doing at home and things of that sort. And uh, I think that that's wonderful. And so also talking a little bit about what you just mentioned and, you know, these uh, resources, uh, you mentioned here also in your description, and it's something that's great because we were talking about this and professional learning networks. You know, I think that now this is something that has definitely or is definitely growing and has had an upside to it as far as teachers during this time with uncertainties, not knowing what to do, are reaching out to other educators, not only locally, but nationally and even globally to you know, see, hey, how are you doing this? What are you doing here? What if this happens? You know, how does this work? And so on. And being able to see things through a different perspective, through a different lens, and also even knowing that they are not alone during this. So I think that that's something that's very important. So uh, tell us a little bit about your experience, Matt, or, you know, maybe things that you may share with other educators as far as professional learning networks. Yeah, so I dedicate a chapter in Navigating the Toggle Term for building your own professional learning network and your own educator brand, because I argue that everyone has something that they can give to the educational community, whether it's local, nationally, or globally. So, and I talk about ways of doing that, and I was inspired by uh, George Koros, who's a really famous educator, uh, Innovator's Mindset, it's one of my favorite books, and that kind of the premise for the chapter and it really just talked about like how do you get involved on Twitter um, or social media or as well as like blogging reflective practices and just sharing what you know to educators and then they can get back to you and just talking about the avenues that you can do that uh, just a, you know setting up your own blog or uh, participating in a number of Twitter chats um, for different types of professional learning communities um, Facebook groups um, mm -hmm. There's so much that you can be a part of and so much that you can learn and share just from people from all around the world. And it's just really powerful. And it, it creates, to me, some comfort knowing that there's a lot of people that are doing so many good things and I'm learning new things every day. I can't I can't catch up with everything, but I, I definitely know that I am learning something new and I'm a learner and I, I just enjoy the fact that, you know, every day when I log on to Twitter, I can learn something new and that I can implement. Oh no, and I agree with you on that. I am a big fan of PLNs or now I like to call them my PLF because it's my professional learning family. And like I, I mentioned, like you said, you know, here for the show, the purpose of the show is like, and I mentioned it to everybody, it's just to connect educators with other educators. And, you know, once it, it's like a personalized PD for me in these 30 to 45 minutes that a guest is here. And I want to share that with the world because I know everybody has something to contribute like you today here, Matt, are just contributing so, just a wonderful conversation, so many great tips, so many insights, and a fresh look maybe for us that are in a different demographic area, geographic area, you know, seeing things through a different lens, through your experience, 
and learning those things. And I want to make sure that that gets out to, to other people. And so, like I mentioned to you prior to the show, it's like, once you're on this show, it's like, you're part of my professional learning family, you know, because I get to learn. And like you said, I, every morning I, I get on Twitter and I follow all my friends at Global GEG and, uh, you know, all of my Googlers and everybody else, like you mentioned, you know, that are putting out some great stuff to help us and during this time and provide those tips and, and uh, you know, insights of what we can do to not only better ourselves professionally, but better ourselves personally. And of course, in the end, the end result of this is just better education or a better method of reaching out to our students during this time. So thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. And uh, so I wanted to ask you just before we close, I did hear that you mentioned that you were working already on a second edition of this book. You want to tell us a little bit, maybe give us a little uh, insight of what we might be seeing there in that book. Yeah. So what I'm working on right now is the second edition. So it's going to be updated chapters, updated content, um, really focusing on educator voice. So included in each of the chapters now will be a voice from an educator practicing throughout the country and world. And they're going to provide, um, you know, their own perspective of how they're currently implementing the theme of what's going on in the chapter. So I think that that is truly going to be a powerful piece of the book, including just, a, you know, revised content, more content, additional chapters, um, really focusing on in integrating research-based strategies, as well as also focusing on teacher self-care and, um, you know, ensuring that, that, that life balance, mental, physical uh, balance, so that you can be there for your students and your and their family and for themselves. So, because you know, burnout is huge right now, and we want to create sustainable uh, practices. So, really, uh, it's just truly, um, it's going to be a fun project. Hopefully, it'll be out in um, probably January, February is where the target is. Oh, and that's great. I'm really excited for that because, like you said, I think it's very important to see things from a different perspective. And like you said, giving educator voice on that. Um, you know, many of us, we may read something, we may say, okay, let me apply it. But when you actually read about somebody actually doing those steps, or actually maybe see somebody doing those things, then it's like, oh, okay, I can see how that'll work. Or, you know, I can add it to my tool belt, or I can tweak things here, a little bit of that here, a little bit of that there, make it my own. And then all of a sudden, something new comes out of that bit of inspiration there. So I'm really excited, Matt, I really appreciate you being a, a guest here on our show and just sharing some wonderful, wonderful insights. And again, now you're officially part of the MyEdTech professional learning family. And I can't wait for everybody else that might've uh, not been able to make the show today just because of the time. I'm definitely gonna be sharing this and it'll be on our link tree uh, 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 link that I just posted on our chat where you can go ahead and find all our past shows. You can go ahead and visit us on our new home on our YouTube channel, guys. I know we're working on our, our brand and just separating the brand, you know, all together. So now we have our own My EdTech Life uh, YouTube channel. So please subscribe to that. And also, if you'd like to help support the show, you can go ahead and visit our store and you can find something for everybody. You've got shirts, you've got sweaters for women's and men's. Just help us support our show so we can go ahead and just bring you some more amazing content. And of course we can up our production too as well as right now it's just an army of one, but we're doing great. So thank you so much. And to all our supporters, Matt, 
thank you again from the bottom of my heart and sincerely from educator to educator. I've learned so much from you today and I can't wait to share this with all my colleagues, share this nationally here on our show and on our podcast that'll be coming up right now, right after the show, as soon as I upload it. And again, thank you. Matt, any parting words, anything that you'd like to share, final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do appreciate this opportunity. I think this is a great platform. Continue doing what you're doing, sharing the wealth of knowledge. I mean, it's so important where we're currently at and it'll be important going forward. So educators, uh, school leaders, parents even, just continue to share, provide input, and continue to produce great content and share it out to the educational community. We're all benefiting from it, and your students will benefit from it as well. Yes, that is awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. And again, listeners, viewers, thank you so much for making us part of your morning. I know some of you are getting up, having some breakfast, maybe a first sip of coffee, but it's okay. If you miss some of the show, don't worry. You'll catch the replay on our YouTube channel. And you can also listen to us, uh, you know, via podcast. We're all on, uh, we are on all major podcast distributors. So you can find us at My Ed Tech Life. So go ahead and check us out. So until next time, my friends, don't forget, stay techie.